So welcome everybody to today's episode of the Making It Real podcast, the podcast for founders who take action. Today is a very special day. I'm super excited. My personal pleasure to have the CEO entrepreneur, business angel, VC, one of the most experienced guys in the entrepreneurship scene from Berlin, about being active worldwide in all kinds of ventures, Michi Brehm, how we call him, or Michael Brehm internationally, uh, on our show. Michi or Michael, so great to have you. Thank you, Jan. It's a great pleasure uh, to be, uh, be with you. Wonderful. So we'll always kick it off by hearing your personal story into the entrepreneurship domain. What was it that you that led that you made it real, that you started the first venture, and how did that come about? Oh, oh that, that's actually already quite a while. Um, actually, when I still was in school, when I was 15, um, and I grew up in the south of Germany, close to the mountains, so I figured everybody was starting to snowboard uh, in the 90s, um, and, and all the clothing was about three times as expensive as for skiing. Uh, so I thought I can do this as well, <clears throat> and then started my own snowboard lab label. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I took two things, and I was like 14, 15 years uh, old, um, drove my parents crazy because I wanted to quit school um, and go into the fashion industry. Uh, and as you can imagine, they, they weren't really excited about this. Um, so, <clears throat> and, uh, but, but I, I, I took two things uh, from that. One is, um, it's a lot of fun um, to do something entrepreneurial. Um, the second one, it's a lot harder than you think. Um, and to build a decent company as a side gig next to school or maybe next to something else is, is hardly possible. And then I, I decided to first finish school um, and later university. Um, <clears throat> but, but I said, uh, so I definitely want to either work in a startup or found a startup myself. Um, but once I do this, I will do this 120% um, and, and not just a little bit. Um, and then um, I, uh, I actually, I, I studied, uh, I worked for, an, uh, for an, a bank uh, for some time and then uh, joined the founders um, of a social networking site, which have start, just started out of a student department uh, in Berlin um, for, for a company called StudiVZ. And we um, managed to build that into the fastest growing and largest website at the time in Germany. So we actually doubled our user base every two weeks. Uh, we had at some point in time, we had, <clears throat> I think, 50% of everybody who had an internet connection in Germany on a daily basis on our website. Um, so it was, was really, we were, we went more traffic in 2008, 2009, I think, than the next, that then, than the 10, um, largest following websites together. Um, and, and brought social media to Germany and, and also Austria, Switzerland, um, and, and several other European countries. So that was a pretty exciting, exciting time. And then we sold the company uh, for, for roughly a hundred million. Um, and, and that, uh, I mean, we had many, many, many investors um, uh, and, and several team members. Um, so, but, but it was uh, amazing from a reputational perspective, as well as gave me uh, the first financial means to kind of uh, do many things uh, afterwards. So mm -hmm. that, that was kind of what 
in a way what got me started. Uh -huh. Super exciting. I would like to zoom in on that one. Studi Verzeichnis, a huge success story in the European space was virtually when Facebook started this head-to-head -head game. And actually there oftentimes you say the amazing founders can only come from the US or the big business are built there. And you actually, you know, competing in a way head-to-head -head with Studi Verzeichnis, you won the market, you, you know, at exit, I think you had north of 90% of the market share. You, you just as well you know, explain to us a bit the, the volume of that business. If we go to the very early stages there, what made you, I, I think you were working in an investment banking company. No, what made you uh, change and quit a well-paying job, you know, having studied, you now have this nice income. So to say, okay, I'm going to join this crazy startup that has brutal competition. I think Facebook had obviously much better resources to, to, to deploy. And so that you say, no, I'm going for this. Um, so I think first it was not everybody. If you hear what people do or they do a, do a change um, that they have an idea to found a company. Um, it's rarely that this is this, oh, this is this stroke of genius somebody has under the shower, but it's very often a process. And this decision was in the end was a process of 10 years from when I was like 15 to when I was 25, 26. And I had hundreds, literally hundreds of ideas um, that um, I, um, I kind of thought through. Sometimes I even wrote some presentations, business plans on it. Sometimes I tried a little bit and and um, so I think I was I had a good idea in a sense of what do I want to do, what not. And, and when I saw th this idea, it had many things that uh, that I liked from where I thought the timing was right. By the way, also at the time I was doing at the investment bank analytics about um, the kind of Internet space. And it was just when it was coming out of this 2001, 2002 crash. 2003 was still flat and 2004, five was the first time it took off a little bit, but the general perception was still, oh, this is actually a, a, a kind of very difficult um, space. And I just saw like everything was going up again. Um, penetration of access, uh, broadband speed, uh, cost for, uh, for storage went down or for computers at the time. So it was this path, and then when it came, I thought, okay, I have to do this. Um, and um, and it was it was a little bit awkward because um, I quit, I think, three weeks before the bonus was paid out. Um, and normally, at investment, you know, the bonus is like normally makes up the same amount that that your fixed salary would be, or is. And when I quit, my boss asked me if I understand the concept of investment bank um, because you work very hard for 12 months, let's get a bonus. And if you want to quit, you quit then. You don't quit three weeks before. And he said, you, uh, you're also not going to get 11 twelfths of your bonus. You only get zero. I said, I, I understand this, but do you understand the concept of viral growth and of social networks? And like every day counts, every week counts. I have to do this now. <clears throat> and as you said, there, there was already competition and there was more to come. So I felt like literally I had to do this immediately, or maybe this opportunity would have gone. Um, and um, but but it was, in a way, it was really this path of several years. And and there are many other examples, even like Instagram. Everybody thinks just of the two years that the two founders took it from Instagram till till the exit. Amazing success story. What people forget is that for four years they were struggling with different concept, basically 
living in a in a super tiny basement in Silicon Valley and all of their friends basically making jokes about them how nothing that they work on uh, is kind of uh, working out um, and and it's super tough to stick to that and and if you do this then if an opportunity arises you're in the position to grab it mm -hmm. um, uh, how did so you actually meet the co-founders how did it come about that they said okay you know uh that you say, okay, this is my opportunity. Let's go for it. So uh, we were introduced by by a common friend, um, and um, and then I met them, and I thought that they were were very complementary from our skill sets. The idea was great. I thought, <clears throat> hey, I I I saw that internet like penetration usage was going up, monetization was going up. Um, I thought there was a very clear need. I was still like fresh in a way, fresh out of university. So I could see that like how social networks would appeal to young people. And, um, and so my only question was, do I think that for one, we could, could get people on the platform on and the second one, would we be able to execute? Um, and, and I thought, well, that's a, that's a risk I'm, I'm willing to take. Um, and I think I can, can help, help with it. So, that's why why I ultimately decided. Oh, and one 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 also one I think one thought was, um, if, if you're young, um, and and then I thought at the time, okay, if this doesn't work out, what's my risk? My risk is I spend one, two, or three years on it. But if I go forward, and if I'm 65 or 70, how much of a difference will these one, two, three years have made? Um, <clears throat> and and the answer is or was for me probably. It won't make any difference if you work for 30 40 years if it were three more years it doesn't really matter um but i said in case it works out then it will make all the difference and that what was uh, was what made it easy and i think that's also while if you're fresh out of university or in your first years um uh, your salary obviously is still not that high you're not um, married you don't have kids not no, no real obligation. So it's a lot easier from a risk perspective to to jump. Hmm. Wonderful. So we see you then quitting your job. You just for, uh, have forgotten a big bonus. Now you're in this space. What was the game plan? Because we have quite some people out there that want to start consumer uh, web companies or consumer app companies. We had the founder of Yodel as well, Tim Schmitz, who was talking about how they made Yodel big. And now they had some amazing success in one country like Finland. I think 30% of the po whole population, a certain age group is on, on Yodel as active members. What was it? What was the game plan kind of for Studiverzeichnis, knowing that there were, there was uh, Facebook, but there were as well a bunch of other ones, really well-funded uh, ventures, and everybody hoped to get that social graph online to get the students online. What was your game plan? Well, well, I think first of all, actually, there were quite a few who were not focused. So we said we always said we want to get the the students. Um, or and even at the beginning at the studio, we were even more narrow. We said, okay, who would be the um, best users, uh, and we figured out from some early data that most likely um, second semester female business administration students are the kind of perfect, not only users, but also from a distribution and from a spreading it by word of mouth, uh, your perfect users. So we were very focused and then went for a few university for this target group. Um, which made it <clears throat> well to spread. I think several others were um, also large, especially larger companies that wanted to enter. They said that was too tiny for them. So they said, we want to do 
something for everybody because it needs to be huge. We don't want to be just build a social network for 2 million German students. We want to build one for 80 million uh, or for a whole European 300, 400, 500 million population. But by doing this, they, they didn't appeal, they appealed for, to everybody and nobody. And we, we could like <clears throat> build a product and a wording and a kind of everything around this specific target group. So it was very appealing um, and, and it fitted well. Um, I think that was one second one. We just worked like crazy. We were on the, if you look at 10, 20 metri, uh, kind of potential KPIs, why a company should be successful. I think none was in our favor. We had zero experience um in building a startup we had by we had by factor 10 to 100 less money uh we had uh, super young people we um we had no network um basically of everything we had nothing but we said okay we hopefully we understand our target group really well because we were close to the students and secondly we just worked day and night i mean at the beginning saturday sunday was a core working day and then after half a year, we introduced as a huge benefit, half of Sunday, we, we was free. Um, it was so extreme that at a certain point of time, we had, I think, over 10 air mattresses in our office because so many people would sleep in the office overnight. And we said, it's okay if we kind of don't win and if we lose. But the one reason we really don't want to lose is because we don't work hard enough. Um, <clears throat> and so, so that was... I think hard, hard work and it's it's insane as a startup at the beginning how much people work it's that like really going in many cases i've seen this is going to the limits of your physical and psychological um boundaries and borders and um, you've started other ventures be, uh, no afterwards but i think this is as well as a fascinating point and a struggle for many kind of how much effort what's the life like and so would you say is that uh, looking back at the Studifetzeitnis and later on you started other ventures, is that almost required in the first couple of years that you, you do have to put in so many hours or so? Or would you say now, having done a few, hmm, maybe we should have like found some way to better delegate or some other form to actually make it work? I mean, 100%. There, there are in many, many things that um, uh, I would do differently and I have done differently, but still... Um, and obviously you also have to work so much because in many ways you're so inexperienced. You do everything the first time you do many mistakes, but still building a company from scratch is always a incredible amount of work. And it's, yes, it's a huge, in a way issue um, that it's just <clears throat> really, really hard um, uh, at the beginning. And, and I've, you know, this, everybody dreams about, uh, oh, I just do a little bit of work and then suddenly there's this huge company. And obviously the most, most famous is this four hour work week, week from uh, Tim Ferriss, I think. Um, and you know what, but what's really funny, if you read the book at the beginning, he describes like for the first eight years, he worked 16 hours per day plus weekends to then be able to just work four hours per week. Dude, Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's not, uh, that's, uh, that's not the, the kind of glorious thing. The glorious thing is not, I mean, I've, I know many things where you work for five or 10 years a lot, and then you can kind of um, <clears throat> be happy about the fruits. The question is, how do you save the five to 10 years super hard work and directly go to the four hour work week? And, and that one, I haven't really found. Um, and 
also don't trust probably many of the maybe sometimes PR stories. I would even say every single person I've met in my life who was successful, no matter where, they worked insane. Um, no, and it doesn't matter if it's an entrepreneur, if it's a manager, if it's even like sports uh, <coughs> sports stars. A, a good example is like Ronaldo. I just read a, a story from another um, soccer player and he said he was just over for drinks on a Sunday with Ronaldo and thought he had some good time. And then after lunch, he said like now it's two hours training. And he said on a, he, he made him a hardcore training on a Sunday where he thought he could relax. Um, uh, so it's, um, yeah, anyway, so, so, but maybe coming back to, so that was one success, but the other one is that I think we just tried to be very creative because we didn't have so much money. We just had to try <clears throat> to be, uh, kind of really smart. And one, one thing, one marketing campaign we did, which uh, was really lots of fun is, uh, when we launched then also a pupils network. So wanted to go. Now on something for a little bit younger people, not just like university. high school students or so for yeah, high school students, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, so for something for high school students, um, and and we uh, we we said, how can we give it some like notoriety or something? And we said, and, and we wanted to make it first of all, we wanted to make it pink. Why pink? Because um, it was about who are uh, with a okay, 15, 16 year old boy what is he interested or at least most of them um it's not math for sure uh, it's uh it's <clears throat> it's most likely girls so we said okay forget about the boys um we need to build the perfect product for girls so we built the perfect product for girls and part of it was we made it pink um but then also uh, we we went and we activated some of this berlin underground sprayer community and all over germany and we had them pink a thousand schools um and, and we go, gave them not real spray, but this chalk spray. Um, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and then also lots of post-its they put on the schools. Um, and from one Sunday midnight to Monday morning, six o'clock, uh, we had, I think in total, we had 400 people who were pinking a thousand schools. And obviously that gave, uh, gave it also quite a, uh, quite a street cred and um, <laughs> an action. And, it, and it some marketing buzz, I imagine, too. Did you do actually before doing? And you know, because some people think about this as well, these like buzz hacks and so on. What can we do to kind of drum and get attention? Did you do some legal check on that? Actually, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah of course. I mean, we, we actually we had um, so we asked five marketing agencies up front. Three declined because they said it's illegal. You can't go at night into a schoolyard and pink a school. Um, two said we would do it, and one gave us a proposal for four million, and the other one for six million euros. Uh, so that was uh, completely out of out of budget. Um, and then we we said we we checked what would be <coughs> the maximum fine, and it was like something like a hundred euros maybe per school or two hundred because you had to kind of uh, take the post-its off. Um, so uh, so we ended up uh, I think paying everything including like for the lawyers for the material and just two or three fines for a few hundred euros we had costs of 10 to 20 thousand euros um versus um and obviously we organized it ourselves uh versus uh, this uh, four to six million uh -huh. and an amazing marketing bus um and uh, 
What, what were some other things? One, one thing as well that I found fascinating, and we heard something similar from Tim as well, this going by university by university. For them, it was more, a lot about going in early in the morning when people are kind of, they, they sit around, maybe it's a boring lecture, having good internet connectivity, that was a core thing, then driving it, having local content there. Uh, and then they, they optimize for this very local content there. Uh, maybe a few highlights for people that want to make it big in the consumer space as well, and that really have this issue, how do I activate in a very cost-efficient way my people, my users? Uh, I, I mean, at the time, you need to see not everybody had a computer on their own. Uh, like uh, smartphones didn't exist uh, back in 2005 to 2006, or they were just coming. I think the first iPhone was just about to be launched. Um, <clears throat> and um, uh, so, so, I mean, what we did, we did, for example, stuff There were like normally people use the computers in the university labs. So we went to the labs and then put our website as a screensaver um, on maybe 50 or 100 computers, um, uh, things like that. We, we distributed flyers. We, I mean, sometimes we called the local radio or the university radio um, and had five or 10 different people calling it and saying, hey, have you heard about this new website? And I thought, oh, it's so many people are calling. Maybe we need to do a report about it. Um, uh, and then always we try to get like critical mass in a, in a certain um, kind of very small area. So it was much better to have a, a hundred people um, in one university than having a hundred people in one city um, over different uh, universities. Um, and so, so like this, this really gaining critical mass in, in a certain target group. And I think this <clears throat> plus being just very close to the customer. So I would say, um, the probably the means would be very different, but what's always important is be as close as possible to your customers, talk with them early, and and then try to create a critical mass and be it just if it's in a very small area. Um, so, but but that you you get a value out of it. In, like here would be the density of the students or certain like student group that, as you said, maybe the business student, second new female. Business for example, student. we. We chose the the areas we'd go after for percentage of students students versus total population. So we like cities where you have a high student population. Um, um, that that was uh, very important. And then we checked for we we tried to get to let's say 30, 40 percent um, uh, kind of customer penetration in certain um, maybe faculties or even down to certain years. We knew once we had 30, 40% of a certain year um, and of a certain class, normally, automatically, and by virality, it went to, you never get to 100% quite, but 98, 99%. Uh, and then once you have a certain class, then probability that it goes to the class above and below is also high. Um, and that way, then it, it spreads. Mm -hmm. So really, in a way, you have to think, think of it like, concentric rings. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I think it's really helpful uh, advice here for people. Maybe looking back at the Studifatzeitnis experience as well, uh, core mistakes that you did where you say, I assume as well, I see them you know, in the different ventures in my investments and so a common way or problems and struggles that people have because they do things incorrectly and where you say, hey, please listen to this. It will help you to make it real. 
and oh. <laughs> it would be a lot i imagine yeah, they're, they're really at the, there's so i mean in the end you you always do so many mistakes you just need to make sure that you do a little bit less mistakes than things you do right um but but uh, so i would say a core core thing is it would have saved us a lot of headache if we would have hired a few more experienced people earlier um uh, so I think that the biggest problem when you when you start a company or in many new areas in general, you don't know what what you don't know. Um, uh, and um, and to to be kind of a little bit self-critical about that um, helps. This is this is definitely one. Um, the the other one then what we did uh, we we internationalized and unfortunately we didn't connect the platforms because we thought we could save a few months time if we just replicate it and launch it but that means that we didn't have these network effects i think if we would have waited a few months more uh, and build a platform um uh, then uh, then if we would have a connected platform we we would have had the opportunity probably to really build a global global force not just one in in central europe um so we we had a certain point of time we had a separate website in france in poland in italy a lot in latin america actually were in four or five latin american countries and they were all kind of successful but it lacked the connected network effect that it would have had <clears throat> uh, otherwise uh, which is a little bit sad and then the the last one, um, I mean, we, we sold the company end of 2006, beginning of 2007. But, uh, and we thought, I mean, at the time from, from a student perspective or just somebody who was in a, uh, kind of in his uh, kind of second year of work, it was a huge success and, and I would have never dreamt about uh, having so much success so fast. But, but looking back, I mean, the company was, was valued just 12 months later. It was valued 10 times of that and was even bigger. <clears throat> and I think to really not to sell. So one of the learnings was for me not to sell too early, like think even bigger. Um, obviously, by now, there are also a lot more means. And people say, hey, at the time, it was still like, oh, you can't sell shit. Either you sell everything or nothing, and even if you sell a tiny bit, you're not committed, which is uh, completely uh, really stupid. I mean, at the time, we we're living off a few hundred euros, and I was living on an air mattress in, in one apartment that I had, uh, sorry, in one, one uh, um, little um, room that I had subleased because I couldn't afford more. Um, Fascinating. That's actually to uh, have a parallel. We had Lukas Gadowski on uh, on the Making It Real podcast as well, and he actually said exactly that as well. That that was a core learning for him. Seems like every time you, you have a huge accident, so you feel like looking back, you're always sold in a way too early. So at times it would be just like let's build it out even more, 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 no, in a way, and to really yeah. think gigantic there. I think that I mean the one of the core learnings for me is one tends to overestimate what you can achieve in a very short amount of time in in one or two or three years everybody is super unpatient but you really underestimate what you can achieve over a course of 10 years so over the long term yeah. um <clears throat> and um so so that's um but but overall, I mean, it was a it was a great success story. It uh, paved the way for uh, for a lot of people from our investor side, from 
employee side, uh, it's amazing how many great careers came out of it. Um, and and as we, I mean, we also, because we scaled so fast, we had to solve a lot of really um, complex technical issues. We, we had one of the largest server farms um, uh, in, <coughs> in Germany at the time, and a lot of experienced people. So for example, the, um, the, the CTO, uh, for, for four years for Zalando, which is now a huge company at the beginning, it was one of our lead engineers that then switched to Zalando. And there are like dozens, if not hundreds of these stories. Mm -hmm. And many people really, you, you know, were well, core driver of the Berlin ecosystem. I see it as well from the early 2001s, twos. It really made this big push because people in companies like yours learned really how to scale and you know and got these skills and that generated then the second generation of very successful entrepreneurs so i think there's as well, as well lots of additional benefits i think we have so much more to cover we didn't uh, uh, get very far here yet we we just covered the first venture there's so much more to it i think roundabout we uh, we could do another five minutes or so but i, I think definitely as well we'll have to do a, 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 almost a second follow-on episode here of this what i definitely like to cover is so you then you you helped uh launch and and grow rebate networks which was a big success you launched a vc redstone digital you as well right now and i think uh, quickly zooming forward now to the current venture uh you've, you you co-founded i2x you're the managing director of i2x maybe going jumping right into the present for now and and, and looking at that first how did you determine that there's an opportunity and kind of what were the first steps to get it started and then we extract a few lessons learned there yeah, um, so so many so after Re rebate was um, uh, e-commerce network daily deals uh, website which uh, became quite quite large. We're in thirty countries, ten thousand employees, um, and out of them, two and a half thousand telesales and customer support agents. And I figured how incredibly difficult it is to run large service and sales organizations, uh, not to speak even for scaling it. Um, so. Um, I thought that there, there was a very big kind of business problem. How do you make people good in communicating with customers? And till today, there is just a limited amount of things you can completely automize. And I think especially if you have a human interaction and it will still take <clears throat> many years till, till you can automize that. But so that was one. The other one is that I thought I wanted from an ex company, I wanted to solve a very complicated technical problem. Um, and uh, and I thought, okay, what's complicated? And then you say, okay, uh, geno uh, genetics is complicated, uh, astronomy is complicated, but then also human speech. And I have no clue about astronomy and I have no clue about genetics. So I thought about human speech about software. That that's something I'm interested. In. I'm interested in uh, in in AI and in machine learning. I want to dig deeper into it. So I thought I can combine an interesting problem um, with, uh, with a clear business need. And if you go like, what makes humans? Uh, humans are, are defined by their brain, by their hands as tools, but then also by their voice and their ability to speak and to communicate with each other. Why are we so successful as a species? Because we can communicate very complex topics. And I thought if I build a software layer on top of the human brain, to augment the human communication and help people to communicate better with each other, it's kind of in a way like cracking the code for humanity. Um, and I thought that was a, a very nice and actually pretty, it's still a very complicated problem to work on. Um, and that's why, why I decided there in the very clear market needs. So we're building a software that taps into telephone calls, 
um, sends them to the cloud, transcribes them. We've built our own speech-to-text uh, engine, um, then analyzes it and sends back in real time, so within less than 0.5 seconds on the agent screen, tips what they can do, plus a, a whole suite of analytics tools uh, for near real-time and post-call analytics for team leads, for managers. <clears throat> and, and that way we really help the organizations to interact better with their customers, but also, and that's great, really support the agents, the people who work on the ground to do a better job, um, to maybe get more bonus, um, to have a more fulfilling um, kind of uh, career. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and so far it's, it's going quite well. We're quite happy. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit where you are right now in terms of, uh, so how many years in are you there? So, so we're now in a, in a fourth, uh, fourth year. We have uh, 50 people, um, extremely product focused. So probably 80, 90% are, are working on the product. Um, very engineering driven, um, several patents, um, um, several large, uh, large companies, um, uh, several um, smaller and medium sized ones. Um, and yeah, so and 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 are growing. But I one of the learnings also from rebate where where we had like these close to ten thousand people is I want to keep it as long as small as possible. Rather try to scale with tools, with technology, with software. Um, it's like running. <clears throat> the more people you have, the more headache you have. Um, at least that's my my learning. What, was that as well one of the drivers? Because as, as you said, you know, I wanted to tackle a really big technology ch challenge. I was thinking, like, why would you self-impose yourself you know, to have to do that, right? Sorry. No, it's a good question. But, but it was really, in a way, I've built um, uh, kind of large companies, two large companies before. I mean, one basically brought social media to, to, to Germany. And the other one was just out in every perspective from an economic business perspective large but it, i thought it was was it something i was extremely proud of to tell my 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 children um i thought i wanted to make something where i thought is like really special you're working on the frontier of what's technically possible um and it was just more for me probably a personal desire or challenge where i wanted to prove myself i can work on something that's just hardcore difficult um and um and so i thought hey trying to crack the code for com for humanity and trying to crack the code for human interaction and communication uh, is something that i like if my kids ask me what are you doing i i tell them hey i'm building a robot um i think that's cool um, and, and that's probably one of the drivers, apart from just uh, trying to build a really useful um, platform. Mm -hmm. When, no, for, and we, we do have quite some people out there that are interested in starting these. They are more maybe at times have a very engineering <coughs> background. They have these big, uh, let's say, engineering tech challenges that they work on or they've dis discovered there's something. Oftentimes it sounds then as if the development time, the lead uptime to actually get revenues in and so is quite long. That's the classical like three, four, five years or so easily till you get to market to actually sell it, which then begs the question, how can you finance this in the meantime? Obviously, you know, having a reputation. So now would help. What would you advise people that have you know that focus on the big tech challenges, the big technology challenges, solving really big technology problems, how could they get started? How could they get that confidence to make it real? Um, 
So, so I think, I mean, luckily now there, there is a large enough ecosystems uh, of uh, investors in, on every stage to, to also support um, really large and bold ideas. Um, one, one of the things, I mean, first of all, is it to, to try to have a clear vision and be very convincing. Um, and, and one of the things, sometimes more technical people, they are in love with their technology, but they can't really pitch in a way the market, the vision. Um, so, <clears throat> so I think that's something to really, uh, work on, on, on somebody's pitching and even sales skills. If you do, if you're an entrepreneur, you're always in sales. Uh, even if you think you're not, you, you have to sell to, uh, to, to win employees. You have to sell, obviously to sell, to, to win customers, but then also to, uh, to get partners, even to somebody to lease you just an office because you're a newly founded company. Why should they lease it to you and not to the lawyer? Um, uh, you, you need to sell obviously to investors. So you're constantly selling and pitching. Um, <clears throat> so, so that's, that's something I would recommend and try to test as soon as possible. Um, and you can do this also in a business context a lot earlier than you, than you think. Um, because on the, on the one hand side, you could readily develop your product and then go out and sell it, or you just pretend you have it and I'm not, not saying that you have it, but <clears throat> do like say, okay, if I had it, what would I do? And then you create your sales deck and you go out and try to sell it. Is there interest? Um, do you get uh, LOIs? I would always try to get, hey, I get maybe 10 LOIs of people who say, yes, if you build the product, like you describe it to me, I would be willing to buy it. And it, it can be, it should be legally non-binding, of course, and just a very, very vague LOI. But just the, the process of somebody having to sign something will make them think. Um, and, and it gives you valuable feedback because otherwise um, people will just, uh, just tell you, yeah, it's all good just to get rid of you because that's the easiest way uh, to kind of get rid of somebody, tell, tell him everything is great. Um, Fantastic, <clears throat> go build it. And then you are stuck yeah, with your and, engineering, and you build uh, it. And then later on, they say, mm, well, now it's a different story and whatnot, no? Because I, I had this, I mean, the problem is where do you get that really true feedback? Your family always thinks what you do is great. Um, and then the people, uh, everybody who you don't know very well, or even don't know at all, if you ask them for something, they know if they give you negative feedback, you will start questioning why, how, what should I improve? So immediately they are in a half an hour, hour discussion with you. <clears throat> so the question is, you really need to force this half an hour discussion and to force this negative feedback. And you do this by asking them to sign it because if they don't sign it, then you have, if they tell you everything is great, but they don't want to sign the LOI, you have a reason to say, okay, if it's so great, why wouldn't you want to sign it? And then you get the true feedback. And by the way, if they, if they sign it, then you know you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would you do if no the common objection here is well <clears throat> but my project still then would take a year or so till we have the first version to ship or so uh, I mean why would they sign now well they, they don't have any risk it just look I just w would like to to have some uh, some uh, some kind of security or I would just have some indication and uh, it tremendously um, if uh, with like uh, potential um, co-workers, maybe with a potential investor. Normally, if you ask people nicely for something um, and, and if you're friendly and say, hey, I'm not going to take a lot of time, just maybe 20, 30 minutes, um, 
I mean, normally people, or at least, I don't know, every second one would, would help you. It's always, if somebody, if you, if people feel you're passionate about an idea, um, they oftentimes also, they get passionate themselves and they think it's cool. So, um, but, but also <clears throat> that goes also back to, um, how, how, how much time it could, uh, could take, for example, with, uh, I mean, you mentioned Redstone, which is a, uh, so a little bit different topic, but similar to the B2B space. It's a company that advises large corporations in uh, investing into startups. Uh, now, this is uh, something that takes sometimes years. If you discuss with a large corporation, it's about strategy, which startups, which areas, should we build a fund, shouldn't we? Um, and uh, it, it took <clears throat> a few years to, to convince the first, uh, first customer um, and, and then you just have to hustle and maybe you do some advisory business on the side. Um, and by now it's, it, it's the world's leading VC as a service company that basically builds VC funds uh, to uh, third party specifications, be it corporations, be it financial investors um, in specific industry sectors. Um, and, and also, and I was uh, just also speaking there with the uh, founder and CEO and, and he said, look, it's really amazing how much you overestimate the first years what you can do but how much you underestimate what um uh, what you can do uh, long term mm -hmm. so then as well really the call uh, to action go in there with a mindset this is not a sprint it's really to build something over time and it no as well definitely i think core lesson learned here it is a, a tiring process as well at times don't think that it will be easy to walk in the park and so on and everybody will celebrate you there's a lot of work days a lot of dark days like you know um like in many areas too yeah that's also for example i i i think there there are two things which because of that are really important um and and one is in a way passion and resilience um so because it's so hard and there will be so many setbacks if you're not really passionate about it it's easy to give up and it's like everybody around you normally they make a career some people work for let's say scale-ups um, successful uh, tech companies other maybe for large corporations and they climb the career ladder they earn more um uh, and then you think oh i'm the only stupid person out of my whole friendship kind of circle and out of my university who is working on this idea and it doesn't get really forward and i don't know if it's going to be successful um, <clears throat> and and it's easy to do this for three or six months to do it for 12 months, this is already hard. For, for two years or three years without knowing what happens, and everybody around you, they kind of build their career, that's, that's tough. Um, and so, so that's why for, I, I think an important factor is, is passion. And the, the other one is, um, it's, it's quite interesting, it's really timing. No matter how great your team is, how much funding you have, if you have a wrong uh, timing, it doesn't help. Um, so now once, I, if I look at ideas or also investments, et cetera, I really think a lot about um, uh, timing. It, it, what's interesting is <clears throat> there, are, there are very success or huge, hugely successful um, e-commerce companies out of the 90s, but there is no really successful, I think, uh, social network out of the 90s because why it was the wrong timing. There were hundreds of social networks founded in the 90s but you didn't have the internet printed trade. You didn't have the bandwidth, the storage, everything you need from a technical perspective and from an, uh, even from a kind of 
social perspective wasn't there. Um, and and there, are, there are many, many examples of that. Uh, and you need to see like, and, and there's normally there's a sweet spot of maybe half a year, one year, two year, three years, where you can build certain types of companies or start them. If you're too early, it doesn't work um, because the um, kind of uh, framework factors are not uh, there. But if you are obviously too late, then there's too much competition and there are already large companies. So it's really about hitting this sweet spot in timing, which is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Very quickly on that. I mean, we, we could definitely talk you for hours. It's always so exciting to talk to you and so many learnings. Um, very briefly for the ones that are now thinking, well, on timing, if that's so important, do you have a quick suggestion how they can judge if it's the right timing for them for their project right now? <laughs> it, it, Is that a general if, rule if, of thought? If, if, I mean, if I knew this. Um, I mean, it's it's really one of the the toughest uh, questions. Uh, but I, unfortunately, I don't have the uh, the magic answer. But I think the one is just to to truly and very critically think about it and actually trying to force a negative answer on that one, asking why why could it not be the right timing. <clears throat> And then actually make it real in a way, push the project out there and, and see that you have a chance to be rejected in a way and, and find out, hey, they're not buying yeah. it, learn why. Is that I mean, obviously, this is like the, the best thing is always trying to hit the market and trying to sell it to market it. Uh, I mean, not, for example, with consumer products, it's so easy. You build a landing page, you do some advertising on, uh, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook or <coughs> um, in, in Europe with United Internet on their platforms. So that's uh, that's uh, that's easy. That's the best one. But then also like from a, I mean, and there are many different ways. Sometimes from a regulation perspective. Another one is uh, like in Europe, the bus market was was kind of deregulated, um, and, uh, and and there is now Flixbus um, where they have built uh, once it was still still possible um, to to ride buses. Um, but but they have built a huge company. But they hit they they founded a company shortly before there was a new regulation that would free the market, um, and and you had a window of literally a few months where uh, where there was the best timing to found this company. There were companies that have been built two or three years earlier, and they 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 obviously were too early, and the market was not deregulated, so they weren't allowed to operate. And then the ones that came a year later and even like uh, for example Deutsche Post founded a bus company but a year later and, and they weren't able to then win the market because uh, at the time Flixbus was already so large. Mm -hmm. Wonderful maybe for now because we, we definitely have to do a follow-on uh, session here maybe for now having started these many uh, ventures looking into investing and, and supporting other entrepreneurs that uh, launch businesses what would you say for you personally is the thing that you personally enjoy the most of all of these challenges, solving these challenges, these rights? Um, I, I would say it's it's clearly two things. One is it's just amazing to kind of be part of a process where at the beginning you have nothing and then you create something. This creation process, building something, um, being creative. This is uh, this is really a lot of fun. Um, the one secondly um you normally in in technology and in startups tend 
to work with a lot of very smart and very ambitious people. And, and that's also great. Um, like it's in a way inspiring and motivating to work with other smart um, and motivated people. Wonderful. Well, Mich Michael Brim, we went a little bit over the normal time here, but it was just so fascinating. So many learnings. Thanks so much for sharing all of that and much looking forward to see you move forward and, and reconnecting then in the future. All the best. Thanks so much. Jan, thank you very much. Bye-bye.